0: Classic Comics, everyone. My name is Matthew B. Lloyd and I will be your guide as we explore the world of comics before the advent of the Silver Age. Thanks for tuning in to the Comics in Motion Network. Before we get started, remember you can follow the Classic Comics show on Twitter at ComicsLloyd or contact the show via email at Mbl at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Matt B. Underscore Lloyd and at DCComicsNews.com where I'm assistant editor and write reviews. In the notes section you can find the Amazon link to Black Panther and Philosophy, What Can Wakanda Offer the World, the Black Panther book to which I've contributed. And you can also check out my chapter in Politics in Gotham, The Batman Universe, and Political Thought, co-authored with Ian Drake. Additionally, my co-author Ian Drake and I have turned in the first draft for another volume on Batman. Arkham Souls, The Villains and Villainesses of Gotham. I don't have a publication date for this yet. I'll be sure to share more when I can. Currently, there's a search for a new publisher for the project, so hopefully there'll be some positive news on that front soon. On to the show. Welcome to episode 26. You may have tuned into this episode expecting a discussion of Romax comics between myself and Tony Farina from Indie Comics Spotlight, but unfortunately there have been some scheduling snafus that have switched things up. So, instead, today we're going to take a look at the Golden Age version, and at times the not-so-Golden Age version of one of my all-time favorite characters, Superboy. But which Superboy? And how is he the Golden Age Superboy? Superboy. Now, there have been a number of characters published by National slash DC Comics called Superboy over the years. Most recently, Lois and Clark's incontinuity son, John Kent, was Superboy before DC allowed Brian Michael Bendis to age him up quickly and kill everything that was unique and interesting about the character and his place in the DC Universe. Even though this happened nearly four and a half years ago, the Superman comics are still reeling from this terrible decision. I'm sure some of you really like what Tom Taylor is doing in Superman, Son of Kal-El. I tried the first issue when it first came out, and I just couldn't get into the basic concept of John as that old of a teen trying to be Superman. It just doesn't work. I just couldn't get on the ground floor. So anything that's happened past that, I have no opinion on because all I did was try the first issue and decided it definitely wasn't for me. Not that what Vendis was doing with him in Legion was really for me either. I... uh I reviewed that series for DC Comics News, and it was a struggle at times. There were a few good ideas in that series, but the execution left much to be desired, and he really didn't do anything uh, interesting with really anything. He had ideas, but could never execute them well. Okay, back to it. Fan-favorite Connor Kent is up next, the human Kryptonian hybrid clone created by Cadmus Labs using Superman and Lex DNA. This Superboy first appeared in the post-Death of Superman storyline, World Without a Superman. There have been other versions of Superboy, in Elseworlds stories and imaginary stories from the Silver Age. And of course, there's also Superboy of Earth Prime, who appeared as part of the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, a character that finally got some redemption in Scott Snyder's death metal event. Thank you for redeeming him, Mr. Snyder and Mr. Johns. His first appearance in DC Comics since 19, number eighty-seven, uh, November 1985, is not only a classic of the Bronze Age, but a tearjerker as well. Quick aside, is this the Bronze Age or the Copper Age? I find it easier to draw the line with the end of the Crisis, uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earths being the last story of the Bronze Age for DC Comics. But that's just me. I know that people draw the line elsewhere. Um... There's a real uh, uh, beauty in the Superboy of Earth Prime story, uh, that first appearance uh, from DC Comics Presents number eighty-seven, and it never really sit well that he was uh, demonized uh, in Infinite Crisis and that sort of thing. It was nice to see him get some uh, get some redemption. Okay, moving on again. Today, however, we are looking at the original, and still, in my opinion, the greatest Superboy, Clark Kent, and The Adventures of Superman when he was a boy. While most readers... Listeners are probably familiar with Superboy's exploits in the Silver Age and his adventures with the classic Legion of Superheroes. His origins go back to the Golden Age, even to the earliest days of Superman's life at DC Comics. Before we get started, I just want to say that the original Superboy is my absolute favorite iteration of the character, partly because of his membership in the classic Legion. However, the world that was developed around the character in Smallville, his supporting cast, Lana Lang, Pete Ross, etc., and seeing how Mom and Pop not raised him was, was always interesting to me. The idea of Superman as a boy having adventures was white from continuity with Crisis on Infinite Earths. This event created a huge problem for the Legion of Superheroes as Superboy was instrumental in their creation and in story origin as well as nearly every story about them as Superboy is a near omnipresent member. When the DC Universe rebooted after the crisis, a Superboy from a Pocket Universe was created to explain his appearances in the past with the Legion, and this is one of the greatest Superboy Legion stories ever told, appropriately titled, The Greatest Hero of Them All. Despite this epic send off, many fans felt something was missing. Superboy as Clark Kent and Legion returned to continuity in the Lightning Saga and the Superman and Legion and Superhero story arcs from 2008. Even Doomsday Clock from 2017 indicated that Superman had been a part of the Legion as Superboy. That's where Clark Kent Superboy ends up. But what about these other Superboys? I never really connected with Connor, but I found the idea of Lois and Clark raising a child as part of the ongoing continuity to be a unique and fresh addition to the Superman mythos. We got about two, two and a half years of it before Bendis destroyed it. It was something different, something special, and nothing that's been done with the character since is remotely as interesting as Lois and Clark raising their biological child. Here I go again. Sorry. But enough about that, we're supposed to be having fun here. We're going to look at some of the historical information for the character first, and then we'll take a look at the first couple of stories, and then we'll jump ahead a bit to Superboy number 10, October 1950, and read the first appearance of Lana Lang in a story titled The Girl in Superboy's Life, as well as a story from a 1953 issue of Adventure Comics that is at the end of the Golden Age, the coronation of Lana Lang. With the mention of Lana Lang, I'm sure you're wondering how Superboy in the Golden Age differs from classic Supergirl Superboy classic Silvery Superboy with whom Lana is so closely associated. From an historical perspective, there just isn't an exact line to draw to separate the Golden and Silver Age. Traditionally, that line is drawn in 1956 with the publication of Showcase No. 4, which introduced Barry Allen as the Flash. But in 1955, Martian Manhunter had already appeared in Detective Comics number no. 225, and Martian Manhunter is associated solely with the Silver Age. There's no Golden Age version of the Martian Manhunter. Superboy is sort of like this as well. We think of him as a Silver Age character, even though Superboy's first appeared in 1945 during the Golden Age of Comics, firmly in the Golden Age, not towards the end or anything. Superman's career as Superboy has always been associated with the childhood of the Silver Age Superman of Earth-1. When the concept of Earth-2 was developed, the Earth-2 Superman never had a career as Superboy. His origin and early life stuck pretty close to his origin, as really shown in Action Comics No. 1 and Superman Number 1. Let's take a quick look at those stories right now. If you're familiar with Superman's first appearance in Action Comics number one, you know the story sort of starts uh, in Medius Ray, with a page uh, in front of the actual story starting that recaps Superman's origin and how he uh, has his powers. We see uh, Krypton exploding. He's lands on Earth. He's taken to an orphanage. We see him lifting up a chair as a baby, and then it jumps all the way to him as an adult in a suit, leaping uh, over a tall building in a single bound, lifting a steel girder, racing a train. Um, we we know that from this, there is no Superboy. There's no there's no younger version of his uh, of his superheroic self. Uh, I mean it. What does it say? It says, uh, when the vehicle landed on Earth, a passing motorist, discovering the sleeping babe within, turned the child over to an orphanage. Attendants unaware of the child's physical structure was millions of years ahead, uh, advanced of their own, were astounded to feet's great strength. Maturity reached, he discovered he could easily leave an eighth of a mile, hurdle a twenty-story building, raise tremendous weights, run faster than an express train, and that nothing less than a bursting shell could penetrate his skin. Early. Clark decided he must turn his titanic strength into channels that would benefit mankind, and so was created Superman, championing the oppressed, the physical marvel who had sworn to devote his existence to helping those in need. And then there's a quick two-page ex- explanation, a scientific explanation of Clark's amazing strength. Candid comfortable from a planet whose inhabitant's physical structure was millions of years advanced of our own. Upon reaching maturity, the people of his race became gifted with titanic strength. Incredible, no, for even today on our world exists creatures with super strength. And it shows that how a lowly ant can support weights hundred times its own. And the grasshopper leaps what to man would be the space of several city blocks. So that's the first page. That's what we get in uh, in Action Comics number one and if you turn when you turn the page uh you get uh the story starting which starts with him in a famous scene where is it over here i'm i'm over here in superman archives volume one which is reprinting issues one through four of uh superman's uh solo title superman which in turn was reprinting uh action comic stories uh, from just the previous couple years. And the first page we have of uh, of Superman in action comics, in action after that origin recap, is uh, he's holding uh, a woman that's bound and gagged uh, and he's leaping through the night over houses. Uh, a tireless figure races through the night. Seconds counting means forfeit of an innocent life. Seconds count. Delay means forfeit of an innocent life. The governor's estate finally is reached. Make yourself comfortable. I Have not time to attend to it. And he goes and he gets the governor and the story continues on from there, but there's six page story at the beginning of this that is the complete, uh, introduction and origin to Superman as it was originally intended. And so it didn't get, uh, printed in the original action comics number one appearance we just have that recap that one page recap and instead we have a uh, a full story which goes like this superman by jerome siegel and joe schuster and here we have the classic image of the rocket exploding very um how far how foster alex raymond flash gordon inspired looking rocket ship uh leaving the the exploding planet Krypton. Just before the doomed planet Krypton exploded to fragments, a scientist placed his infant son within an experimental rocket ship, launching it toward Earth. When the vessel reached our planet, the child was found by an elderly couple, the Kents. And here's the first appearance of Clark's parents. Look, Mary, it's a child. The poor thing, it's been abandoned. So, uh, Ma Kent is actually Mary, not Martha, uh, in the original story. So, that's one way to differentiate Earth-2 and Earth-1 Superman, is the, the name of his mom, uh, his Clark, Kent, Clark Kent's earthly mother. The infant was turned over to an orphan asylum, where it astounded the attendants with its feats of strength. They, uh, the, the Kents come back. We, we couldn't get that sweet child out of our mind. We've come to adopt him if he'll permit us. I believe it can be arranged. And then he think the, the head of the orphan asylum thinks to himself, Phew, Thank goodness, they're taking him away before he wrecks the asylum. The love and guidance of his kindly forced appearance was to become an important factor in shaping of the boy's future. Now listen to me, Clark, this great strength of yours. You've got to hide it from people or they'll be scared of you. But when the proper time comes, you must use it to assist humanity. As the lad grew older, he learned to his delight he could hurdle skyscrapers, leap an eighth of a mile, race tremendous weights, run faster than the steam line train. And nothing less than a bursting shell could penetrate his skin. And we've got the image of a doctor trying to give him a a, a shot. What the? This is the sixth hypothermic needle I've broken on your skin. Try again, Doc. The passing away of his foster parents greatly grieved Clark Kent, but it strengthened a termination that had been growing in his mind. Clark decided he must turn his titanic strength into the channels that would benefit mankind. So as created Superman. of the oppressed, the physical marvel who had sworn to devote his existence to helping those in need. And then on the third page it jumps immediately to the Daily Star and we have Clark uh, arriving at the Daily Star which of course is where he worked before the Daily Planet uh... in the golden age it was originally the Daily Star uh... the receptionist says you may see the editor now but if you ask me you're wasting your time there's nothing like trying and so Clark walks in uh, offers to... wants to be a reporter uh, uh... the editor says sorry fella I can't use you he's unnamed at this point Uh, In an alley, Clark removed his street clothes, revealing himself clad in a Superman costume. If I get news dispatches promptly, I'll be in a better position to help people. I've got to get that job. Superman launches himself up along the side of the building in a great leap. Uh, So he appears, he's outside the window, he hears a phone call uh, about the mob attacking his city jail, and Clark gets embroiled, or Superman gets embroiled in a... uh, uh, in his first case, which leads to a case of uh, which is a case of wrongful accusation, uh, a woman has been convicted for a murder she didn't commit. Superman's found the uh, the real murderer. He gets the governor to pardon the girl, and off we go. And that's the that's all we're gonna say about his first appearance in Action Comics. Which is or it's quite a bit. I know it didn't mean to quite do all that, but I just wanted to give some context that there's no. There's no uh, there's no Superboy. There's no hint of Superboy. It's all uh, Clark and his parents uh, and that sort of thing back in the Golden Age. So, that is how he starts. That's the first origin we get of Superman. But there is another origin the, uh, that's important, which is the first Golden Age origin of Superman, uh, a retelling of Superman. And it is in Superman number 53, cover dated August 1948, and while I can't say I have the entire issue, I somehow managed one time at the comic book store growing up to stumble across the cover and the first Superman story of the issue, the uh, the origin story. So I've actually got a copy of this. It's also reprinted in the Greatest Superman Stories Ever Told, but I have a very beat up, uh, ugly-looking copy of this first story but I have it nonetheless it's uh, it's pretty cool it's uh, it's quite amazing I, I almost forgot I had it the cover here show or the cover the cover oh my gosh the cover the cover is uh, by Wayne Boring and it's an iconic Superman cover you'll you'll see it when you when you see it you will go oh I've seen that before it's it's just a phenomenal uh, image of Superman that I think most people have we see it. They think of that late forties through the uh, the late fifties period. Certainly, it's it's the image I think that would probably most inspire the the look of Superman in the George Reeves television show. Okay, so here we go. We're going to open this up. The splash page is once again Krypton exploding. Inside the explosion, though, we see uh, uh, Superman's parents. We see the rocket ship. We see Superman in the bottom right corner, his head and his hands. He looks sad and dejected as he's thinking about his parents dying. And the, the text is, who is Superman? Where did he come from? How did he obtain his miraculous powers? Millions keep asking these and many other questions. The real facts about this challenging figure whose exploits have kept the world spellbound are even more incredible than you can imagine. Now, at last, you'll know all the answers as we reveal the exciting story of The Origin of Superman. And there's a little bit here at first, in the first page, just about what Superman's powers are, how, what he can do. Uh, and then we jump to the story. Once in the outer reaches of trackless space, there existed the great planet Krypton. There was life on Krypton, humans of high intelligence and magnificent physical perfection. I'm worried Junior has reached the third grade and does not know his calculus yet. He is a trifle backward, but next year he'll be five years old. He'll, he'll know it by then. So far advanced in uh, in academics. The force of gravity on Krypton was far greater than on Earth. If our astro calculations are correct, a Kryptonian on planet Earth could take a normal step and leap over the t- tallest building. He could almost defy its weak gravity entirely. So, there's no, uh, there's no bit about the sun, the rays from a yellow sun empowering Superman. It's all about gravity and the difference in gravity, such as an Earth man going to Mars with a where the the gravity is uh, less on Mars, which is the explanation that we get in Edgar Rice Burroughs, uh, John Carter of Mars stories as for how John Carter is able to uh, execute such terrific feats, which was a direct uh, impact on Superman's origin and his, uh, his abilities and where Siegel got some of those ideas from. Okay. uh, Back to the story. Then one fateful day on Krypton, uneasy mutterings were heard. You feel it? The ground is shaking again. Last night there were deep rumbles beneath the surface. And in the Hall of Wisdom, the Council of Five awaited the arrival of jor Krypton's greatest scientist. What is this important message jor has for us? Here he comes now. He's about to speak. Gentlemen, Krypton is doomed. Are you mad? Explain yourself. Listen, the core of Krypton is composed of a substance called Uranium, which for untold ages has been setting up a cycle of chain impulses, building in power every moment, soon, very soon. Every atom of Krypton will explode in one final terrible blast, gentlemen. Krypton is one gigantic atomic bomb. So, they're working in this atomic age notion uh, in a story clearly after uh, 1945, with the first dropping of the atomic bombs in, in Japan at the end of World War II. Uh, but Jarrell's prophecy was greeted with laughter. Ha <laughs> ha, your supposed theory were true. What could we do? We must build giant rocket ships like this model and migrate to a world with an atmosphere like ours, the planet Earth. Ha! <laughs> we have observed Earth people with our telescopes. They are thousands of eons behind us, mentally and physically. Why, they do not even possess X-ray vision. So X-ray vision is just something everybody has. It's not a power unique to Superman uh, because he's on Earth. Uh, it's something that all Kryptonians have on Krypton. How do we know jor is not trying to frighten Krypton's leaders away from our planet so that he may rule? We have had quakes before and Krypton is still intact. jor your ideas are fantastic. You had better leave jor left, a tragic beaten figure While Krypton's rumblings and quakings increase Fools, blind fools They're all doomed I pray I may have yet time to save my wife and the baby And then we get the bit We all know about They put the baby in the rocket Kal-El uh, uh, Lara and jor put him in the rocket Krypton explodes They they watch him go off She's crying It's, it's the classic scenes that we, we know so well And then Krypton explodes, is destroyed, and the the rocket lands on Earth. And it's shown to be outside of what looks to be a large city, much like uh, New York. Uh, And there's an elderly couple who are drawn quite differently in this issue than their original appearance in Action Comics. Uh, They're in the drive in an old jalopy. They find the baby. Uh, the rocket catches on fire when they pull him out. They kick him to the orphanage, uh, and just like in the original story, uh, he's a, he's a handful. He's throwing the doctor around. He's breaking toys. Now this time, when they dropped uh, the baby off, they they say they want to uh, uh, adopt the child as soon as possible. Uh, they, they they just claim that they, the baby was a they found an abandoned baby, so they don't have to answer questions about a spaceship or anything. Uh, the uh the head of the orphanage says you know we investigate applicants very carefully we'll let you know but after he makes such a mess of things they're like i'm gonna call them we're gonna get those adoption papers pushed through quickly uh they come get uh get the baby they drive him home talk about what they're gonna call him uh and, and uh Amma kent says you have a new name from now on you'll be clark kent uh, and they indicate that that is that is uh, they're naming him after her family. As the years passed, certain incidents made the growing boy realize he was different from other youngsters. Uh, he almost gets run over a tractor, but instead, uh, smashes the tractor. Uh, he outruns a train. He jumps over a barn uh, in the backyard, or rather, the house. He's able to see uh, that Ma Kent has lost her glasses behind the, the cabinet, and he realizes he has x-ray eyes. Uh, as, and then on the last page, we get, we get this. As Clark grew to manhood, his mother died, and finally his father. Dad, there's not much time, son. I'll do the talking. No man on Earth has the amazing powers you have. You can use them to become a powerful force for good. How, Dad? There are evil men in this world, criminals and outlaws, who prey on decent folk. You must fight them in cooperation with the law. To fight those criminals best, you must hide your true identity. They must never know Clark Kent is a a Superman. Remember, because that's what you are, a Superman. And as Clark Kent was orphaned a second time, he knew the course of his life must make. At his uh, parents' graves, we have uh, him making the decision... A big job as a reporter in a big newspaper will keep me in touch with those who may need my help. I'll be glasses, pretend to be timid, but when I'm needed, I'll wear this costume, and the world will know of Superman, so there's a uh, hands-on-hip action pose for the final panel. So, in this story, Ma dies before Pa, and of course we usually tend to think of Pa dying first as a, a immortalized in the 1978 Superman film with Glenn Ford as Pa Kent uh, dying and uh, it's a little bit different here in the uh, this first lengthy origin of Superman so once again uh, we looked at this not only just for fun and because it's a really cool comic but to show that there's no mention of Superboy way back uh, as part of his story Uh, it was his continuity is does not include Superboy, and the interesting thing is, at this time, Superboy was already appearing, had been appearing for about three years in uh, more fun comics, and uh, then a little bit later, adventure comics, so that's that's kind of odd that they weren't considering the current Superboy stories as part of Superman's story, his continuity, his history, when they were writing that origin story for Superman okay that's uh, that's why we're looking at that with that we're going to pause for a message from the comics in motion network a new show on the comics in motion network comes to you from matthew b lloyd of classic comics earth two in the bronze age imagine twin earths each the image of the verdant globe on which we live. Imagine these two worlds, forever separated by a limbo of interdimensional space, identical planets evolving separately across the millennia, each witnessing the birth of man, then the dawn of civilization, and finally the beginning of the age of superheroes. On one world, the world we'll call Earth 2, the superheroes started to arrive on Earth in the early part of the 20th century, when a rocket ship brought the star child kal to safety. Kal-el began his career as Superman in the early days of World War II as the first of the great heroes, and soon he was joined by other heroes, and they joined forces to become the first super team in history, the Justice Society of America. Thus, the two worlds knowingly coexist. One inhabited by the familiar Flash, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and other heroes of the Justice League, and the other by the original superheroes. These then are the legendary members of the Justice Society. Available only on the Comics in Motion Network, found wherever your podcasts find you. But let's go and turn over to Superboy's creation. Now, I got this from Wikipedia, and it it jibes with some of the other stuff I've read over the years. Uh, He was created by Jerry Siegel and Don Cameron and is based on the character of Superman that Siegel co-created with Joe Schuster. Superboy first appeared in the comic More uh More Fun Comics number 101 in 1945. Uh the first pitch for a Superboy uh character was originally made by Superman co-creator Jerry Siegel without Joe Shuster in November of 1938. The idea was turned down by Detective Comics Incorporated and the publisher again rejected the second pitch by Siegel two years later. So I guess Siegel wanted to uh you know, expand the Superman world with a Superboy character. Now we don't have much detail on that, and we don't know if it was a uh, Superman as a boy, as it turned out, or something else, because uh, we have. Uh, next is after the appeal of kids' superheroes had been demonstrated by the success of Robin, the Boy Wonder and similar characters, Detective Comics reversed itself in late 1944 and started publishing a Superboy feature in an effort to expand the Superman franchise by presenting a version of the character to whom younger readers could easily relate so it sounds like uh, the original uh, pitch may have been a, uh, a sidekick it's unknown it's unknown uh, from what I've been able to find. But anyways, Superboy first appeared in More Fun Comics number 101 January-February 1945, which would have come out in late forty four. So, uh, though Joe Schuster supplied the art, the Superboy feature was published without input or approval of Jerry Siegel, who was serving in World War Two. This fact increased an already growing rift between the publisher and Siegel and Schuster. Uh, now, for some reason, I felt like I'd read elsewhere that Schuster did not draw that first Superboy story, but I think when you look at it, it looks a whole lot like, uh, Schuster's work, uh, but I might just be misremembering that it was not Jerry Siegel's, uh, uh, who wrote the story, so who did write the story? We'll get to that momentarily, but, uh, let's get going with a little bit more of the, the history, after just seven issues of more fun comics, the Superboy feature moved to Adventure Comics, where he debuted in issue number 103, this is in 1946, as the cover and lead feature for the anthology comic. In a period when the popularity of superheroes was generally in decline, the adventures of Superboy became increasingly popular. Three years after the move to Adventure Comics, Superboy became only the sixth DC superhero to receive his own comic book when Superboy No. one debuted in 1949. Superboy became the first new superhero title to succeed since World War II. The rehearsed Superboy story was also updated the origin of Superman, and for the first time shows his father Jor-El as being aware that his son Kal-El would have powers on Earth that he does not have on Krypton. In this original story, years after his arrival on Earth, Clark Kent saves a man pinned under an automobile, and subsequently decides to become the costume hero Superboy. Clark appears to be a preteen in his story, and in his first story in Adventure Comics. He actually celebrates his 10th birthday. So... Without further ado, let's go ahead and turn over to that first Superboy story. Now, I wish I could tell you I owned a copy of More Fun Comics number one. I do own a reprint uh, of the whole issue, and I think we read some of those stories in the uh, uh, More Fun Comics uh, episode. Did I say adventure or more fun? I meant more fun if I said adventure. I apologize if I did. But, yeah, I don't own that comic. I I, I can't say that I own an original, but... uh, What we do have here is, back in 2010, DC published a collection of Golden Age Superboy stories, starting with his first appearance. So this, in 1944, may be the first appearance of uh, of Jor-El. I'm not really sure. I did not look at that uh, uh, carefully. I did not try to... uh, go too in-depth, even though it sure sounds like it. But here we go. Let's go ahead and start with the first Superboy story and uh, see what that's like. So Superboy is not on the cover of this issue. But, and I believe it's like the last story in the issue, if I remember correctly. We have a splash page. uh, The half, the top half of the page is the Superboy logo, just like we're used to seeing uh, Superman written with the same uh, style. Krypton's exploding. The rocket ship is... uh, is flying off, and we have Superboy in space right next to it. Thousands of followers of The Great Superman have asked the answers to these questions. What is the story of Superman's origin? And what was Superman like before he grew to Man's Estate? Was he just an ordinary boy, or was he a Superboy? In this story, you will find the answer to those questions, and we believe you will look forward to the further adventures of the youth who who was destined to become the idol of millions as The Great Superman, for these stories will deal with Superboy. So we have a panel here with Krypton. Once in the outer reaches of infinite space, there existed a great planet which glowed like a green star in a limitless firmament. This was the planet Krypton. There was life on the planet Krypton. Human beings of high intelligence and great physical beauty. So the exact same things we heard in the other story. The force of gravity on Krypton was far greater than that on Earth. Then, a Kryptonian on planet Earth could take an ordinary step and leap over the tallest buildings. In fact, he could almost defy gravity entirely, which I think is the exact same dialogue we got in the other story uh, we just read. And because of Krypton's gravitational pull, the citizens were able to construct aircraft of extremely light weight which were capable of tremendous speeds. 900 miles per hour. A bit disappointing, Perry. Yes, we should be able to produce spaceships of sufficient power and speed to reach other planets. All scientists on Krypton, Jor-El was perhaps the most advanced. You've been working day and night on the model of your spaceship, Jor-El. You'll wear yourself out. There's no time to rest, Lara. The lives of all Kryptonians may depend on the success of my experience. But your appointment with the Council, Jor-El. You must hurry. Yes, Lara. Once again, I must try to convince them that Krypton is doomed. But even as Jor-El hastens toward the Council chamber, the ground shaking again, and those deep rumblings beneath the surface of the ground, the dark sky, and foreboding... But in spite of nature's warnings, Krypton's Supreme Council continues to turn a deaf ear to Jor-El's impassioned pleas. So he gets the uh, rejection we're used to. He uh, he and Lyra put uh, put the baby in the in the rocket, and he is sent to Earth. Um, he lands on Earth as we're used to, and we get a. Uh, Pa Kent that looks much more like the uh, Pa Kent from Action, Number One, as opposed to what we saw in the Wayne Boring-Drawn story in uh, Superman number 53. A passing motorist found the child and took it to a founding home. Strange, a baby in this peculiar-looking contrivance. As the baby grew, he astonished members of staff by his feats of strength. Later, the infant couple was adop- adopted by a childless couple named the Kents. Isn't he a wonderful Pa? And he's ours. A fine boy, Mother, just like you've always wanted. As the years pass, the baby grows into young boyhood. He's lifting a whole thing of logs, helping around the house. He jumps over uh, uh, the barn. Uh, He outruns the swiftest uh, animals in the forest. Uh, And then as he goes to school and performing a thousand other certainly feats. But I can't let people know how different I am. I'll just have to hold myself in check and go along like all the other kids. But one day, there's a man trapped under a car calling for help. Uh a couple guys try to try to lift it up. It's no use, we aren't strong enough. But Clark shows up. Then young Clark Kent grasps the rear of the car firmly, and Gosh, Clark did it. He lifted the car like it was nothing. Golly, Clark, how did you do it? I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it. Uh I guess something happened just for a minute to give me super strength. And later in Clark Kent's room, super strength. It's a little frightening for. Him. My powers give me the chance to do a lot of good. But I can't let people know that Clark can't do these things. The knowledge might be dangerous. So Clark Kent secretly fashions a colorful red and blue costume, and thus is born Superboy. Follow the adventures of Superboy in future issues of more fun comics. So there we go. The first the first appearance of Superboy with an origin that is familiar and yet also slightly different. Um, it's Superboy alone who gets the idea to become uh, a, a super character and use his, uh, use his powers for good. He's not... Influenced directly by his parents, as we usually see, who give him some uh, parental advice. Instead, it's, uh, it's Clark himself that has the idea. So now we're going to turn over to another story. Uh, this one is going to be from his first appearance in uh, Adventure Comics, uh, number 103. And this is we're going to hear about his, his birthday. Uh, happy birthday to Superboy and he does get a cover appearance here uh, as he's lifting up a car with uh, with one hand and uh, as he said he's gonna be turning 10 so let's check that out we've got a splash page with Superboy jumping out or flying out of a uh, a three-tier birthday cake it's Clark Kent's birthday but it's also Betty Mars and false rumors come to spoil them both as mean tongues wag and a heartbroken and a broken hearted girl weeps. The boy who is destined to become the man of tomorrow performs fantastic feats so that Betty Marr may have a truly happy birthday. And it is uh, uh, says it's by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster on the on the uh, splash page there. But let's see who actually did it by turning to the contents uh, written, uh, written by Don Cameron cover by Joe Schuster and Marvin Stein, and it says that Joe Schuster and Marvin Stein are the artists on the story. Clark Kent arrived in this world ten years ago today, and his kindly forced appearance intended to do something about it. I'll bake a cake, and there'll be ice cream, and you can invite all your friends. That'll be dandy, mother, only, well, it's Betty Marr's birthday, too, and if all my friends came here, there'd be hardly anyone at her place. I understand, Clark, and I'm proud of you for being so unselfish. But at Betty Marr's home, despite the coming party we find no festive spirit don't cry mamma. they'll find out they were mistaken about daddy i know buddy but it's terrible just the same nabbed as suspect in hotel robbery jc marr it's some awful mistake but people won't know that here comes somebody maybe it's john daddy did i have you worried? well you can stop worrying now it was a mistake seems i look like some robber the police are after Goodness, I forgot all about baking the cake for Betty's birthday party. Come on, Betty, we've got work to do. So they got in the backyard and set up uh, the table. Chinese lanterns are sure across the backyard. But the police, the Metropolis police, have cleared John Marr of all suspicion, but not so the local gossips. I always thought John Marr wasn't all he seemed. It proves you can't trust even your oldest neighbors. And to think, I live right next door. And the party line, uh,. The telephone party line has the same gossip amongst the women, and uh, the parents are telling their kids they can't go to the party. Uh, Clark is walking up with a friend. A friend, I guess Betty won't think she's so smart after this. That's no way to talk. The police wouldn't have let her father go if they hadn't been sure he was all right. And even if he wasn't, it wouldn't be her fault. That evening, Betty Marr is gay and pretty, skipping out under twinkling lanterns that shine like jewels in the dusk. Oh, it's lovely. Can Daddy light the candles on the hate now, Mama? Why not? It's time for your guests to start arriving. Here comes Clark. Come on in, Clark. You're the first to get here. Did you see any others? Happy birthday, Betty. Er, uh, no. I didn't pass anyone. Minutes drag, and they seem very long to a little girl of ten. That's strange. No one in sight, and all of them should have been here long ago. Clark thinks to himself, this is awful. I knew something that wouldn't come, but I never thought they'd all stay away. So Clark, uh, tries to console her as the cake melts. "'Nobody's coming. You're my only friend, Clark. The others stayed away because of what happened to Daddy. "'Don't cry, Betty. Kids aren't like, like that aren't worth crying over.'" And the, the Mr. and Mrs. Marr uh, jump in. "'It's the fault of busybody gossips who exaggerated that newspaper story about me. I'll give them a piece of my mind. "'No, John, it'll only make matters worse.'" Clark overhears it. "'Somebody's got to do something. I don't know who I, who can do it faster than anybody, but Superboy.'" The police are on the side of justice. They'll cooperate as soon as they learn of the injustice their mistake has caused. He flies to the head of the uh, police quarters. What? Why you must be this Superboy fellow I've heard so much about. That's right, Inspector. I'm here about John Marr, who was arrested earlier today. That was an unfortunate mistake. We've got the real robber now, and if there's anything I can do to make it up to Mr. Marr, there is, and it won't take longer than a few minutes. He flies out the window with him over to... uh, Joan Reynolds' house. This is my most exciting experience in forty years on the force. Hello, Joan. I brought the chief inspector from police headquarters to your mother to tell your mother the truth about Betty Marr's father, Superboy. We have arrested the real criminal who has confessed, but mister Marr's excellent references and credentials already had to convince us it couldn't have been him. Oh dear. Joan, Get dressed and hurry over to Betty's party. I've got to make some phone calls. And she's back on the party line and trying to clear his name so that... Shortly... Huh? Why? They've all come. After all. And their kids are coming into Betty's house singing happy birthday. I'm so glad, but the ice cream is melted and the candles on the cake are all burned out. Don't let that worry you. None of us had time to get any presents, so we're sending them tomorrow. A trip to police headquarters, a lightning shopping tour, and then... Superman, uh, Superboy re- arrives at the house again. Did someone mention presents? Superboy, I wanted to ask you to my party, but I didn't know where to send an in the invitation. Well, now that I'm here, I might as well make myself useful. I'm pretty good at refreezing melted ice cream. This way, if you're not just fooling. And the young worker of miracles begins to flash in circles about the ice cream puddles. What's he doing? He's going so fast, he's making a vacuum. Faster, faster, until to freeze something, you've got to draw the heat out of it. The vacuum does that. Look. See the frost on the containers and plates, and even tiny icicles. So, no super breath for this Superboy. Uh, Super breath as far as uh, uh, freeze breath, which Superman had uh, at one point in his career. What's a birthday cake without candles? If I could find some wax and string. There's some wax in the kitchen, Superboy. Simple as it is, the operation is no less important than the one we have just witnessed. Only ten, eh? It wouldn't be much harder than making a thousand. Believe it or not, the little job takes Superboy over two seconds. So it turns out we have a happy birthday for Betty, after all. As the kids are there, they have a new cake, candles, presents. She blows out the uh, candles. She did it. I'll bet she'll be the luckiest girl in town. Look how lucky she already is having Superboy come to her party. Time for Superboy to leave and give Clark Kent a break. Uh, thinks the boy of steel. Minutes later, Clark, I thought you went home. We didn't save a bit of ice cream and cake for you. I didn't come to eat, Betty. I just wanted to join the fun. And then they're playing pin the tail on a donkey. And after the party, he heads home. Am I hungry? I wonder if Mother could fix me a sandwich and a glass of milk. And Clark walks in to Happy Birthday, a cake and candles just for him. What's this? And Ma Kent speaks. Son, when Mother... Told me about. I'm sorry. This is uh, Pa Kent speaking, son. When Mother told me about your giving up your party for Betty, we decided that you ought to have a little one of your own. Oh boy, you're both so good to me. Sometimes I think I can't possibly deserve it. Now that is Superboy turning ten, so this is a young Superboy we're talking about here. Um, this is not uh, an older teen Superboy, but he'll get there. He'll get there eventually, but he starts out as a. A young a young lad, as it were, this is shaping up to be a hefty episode, so what I'd like to do is pause here and we're gonna finish up the Golden Age Superboy on the next episode. There's a lot more left to come, more stories, more uh, more history, more research to uh, to share with you so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here and come back next month for the rest of the Golden Age Superboy. But before I sign off let's quickly talk about the other show Earth 2 in the Bronze Age. The first comic I ever got with the Justice Society of America was All-Star Comics number 65 in 1977. This led to a fascination with Golden Age characters as well as their entire world, the original Earth 2. Earth 2 was my favorite place to visit in comics from about the age of 12 to well still to this day actually. If only DC would embrace the concept and keep exploring the potential of ever-growing legacies. So, periodically, I reread the Silver and Bronze Age stuff. The JSA and All-Star Super Squad stories from the relaunch of All-Star Comics in the 70s, the Hunter's backups that ran in Wonder Woman for a number of years, All-Star Squadron, and Infinity Incorporated, as well as the JLA-JSA summer crossovers that were a summer staple uh, of DC Comics in the Silver and Bronze Age ages. I feel like the 70s and 80s stories really utilize the parallel-earth concept wonderfully, and it's the closest the concept ever has come to reaching its full potential. And when I say close, I really just mean that it's a shame that it got demolished with 1985's Crisis on Infinite Earths. There are still so many stories to tell and so many stories that could still be told if it were reintroduced properly. I mean, imagine a Huntress and Power Girl who are the characters who are now retirement age and getting out of the superhero biz. Who would take their spots? So the new show, Earth 2 and the Bronze Age, will cover these stories issue by issue. I thought I'd start with All-Star Comics number 58, the comic that gave Earth 2 and the JSA its own title for the first time since 1951, but I quickly realized that I should give a little context. So that means episode 1 will cover the introduction of the Earth 2 concept in the flash of number 123, the flash of two worlds. So be on the lookout for that show on the Comics in Motion Network. The first episode should drop in August. And don't forget to join me here next month on Classic Comics for part two of The Golden Age Superboy. And remember, comics should be fun.